yeah, guys, thanks for both joining us. I mean, Colin Tatum, head of communications at the club, and absolute club legend in Martin Granger. Granger, great to talk to you. Again, we have to stress this is obviously via Skype, given the current situation. But Grange, first of all, how are you doing? How are you holding up during the, the world of madness that we're living in at the minute? Yes, yeah, some strange times at the minute. But um, yeah, we're um, we're obviously keeping ourselves indoors. My son's working from home. My missus is at the moment, I think, doing Zumba in the front room, keeping herself fit. So it's it's strange times. But yeah, try just trying to keep safe and well, mate. Yeah, as most people know, you're working on the trains. How have you, how have you found it? Because obviously you were down as an essential worker, so still very much in work at the minute. Uh, yeah, it's, it's strange because some days when there's not a lot of people around, um, and the other day I had two or 300 people on the train, which people are still not listening. Um, but it's surreal, really. Like when you walk past people, um, you, you treat people totally differently now. You know, you, I, I don't want to be near anyone apart from my family, to be honest, at this time, because you don't know who's got it. Yeah. Been like defending the back post, wouldn't it, in your day? Yeah, just didn't like anyone near. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to go through the, the entirety of your career, Grange, but it's a great place to start. Will obviously be when you heard about the interest that, that Blues had um, way back now in, in 1996. So talk us through when you first heard of the interest and how that move came about. Well, we played, I think Brentford, we played Cardiff. I'm sure it was either Friday, Tuesday or Friday night. And after the game, uh, David Webb took me into his office and said, I've sold you to Birmingham. I was like, hey, that was the first I heard of it. He said, you've got to go, we're in debt. So obviously I went home and spoke to my dad and said about Birmingham. He said, obviously, sleeping giant, big club in the Midlands. You've got to do it. So that was it. Next day, I think I travelled up to Birmingham. Well, and as it goes, I went to see, on the no, we played on the Friday, sorry. I went to see Barry Fryer in the Grosvenor House Hotel. Uh, with my wife, who was heavily pregnant at the time. It was the PFA Awards. And he answered the door in his dicky boat, shirt, pants and socks <laughs> up his knees. <laughs> and uh, um, agreed to do the deal then. Yeah. So that was a vivid memory. He gave the missus a little bottle of champagne, sat on the bed in his pants. <laughs> we just discussed what was going to happen. And from then, um, that was it. Yeah, am I right in saying, Tats, uh, Grange just Barry Fry's last signing? I think he was a uh, penultimate one, well, last but one, 400 grand. Um, yeah, seven games later, um, Baz got the sack, so he did well there, Grange. <laughs> yeah. I must admit, though, the 10 weeks I was with him, it was one of the best I've ever had in yeah. terms of personality, always upbeat. I mean, he would rip you to shreds in a dressing room, but he'd be your mate outside still. He wouldn't hold a grudge and... He was just fantastic. Everyone, he lit everyone up. Even when he was walking through the offices, everyone was smiling and he was that sort of character. Very passionate as well, which I liked. Did you sort of join at a time where you felt that the club was under up? It was an ambitious club trying to go places in the years when you joined. Well, to be honest, being a, a Londoner, really, I didn't know too much about the northern side sizes of the clubs. I mean... Northern? Well, you know, sort of middle Northern. Well, you're Northern Mid to me, aren't you? I'm from Enfield. <laughs> <laughs> and um, until you actually turn up and play week in, week out, you don't realise what a big club it is. Uh, and I'm so, obviously, happy that I did, did actually take the plunge in the end. But uh, obviously, I didn't know too much about the club, players and, and whatever. Cause I mean, it's Tottenham and Arsenal down here, isn't it? You know, that's, that's all 
as a kid growing up from school, it was all London, West Ham, Tottenham, Chelsea. So didn't really pay too much attention to other teams, like Middle Northern teams. <laughs> Grange, sorry, Doug. Grange, do you remember your first game? I think it was Grimsby away, wasn't it? What Do you remember what the back four was? It's quite interesting. Was it... Did Franey play left back? Yep. Me right back? Martin Granger right back, John Frayne left back, correct? Yeah, because Baz asked me, he pulled me before the game, would you mind playing right back on your debut? So I was like, well, yeah, I don't mind. <laughs> um, John Ab? Yeah, Michael Johnson left side. Who was right side? Right side centre half. Oh. Ended, move, ended up moving on to Coventry. Gary Breen. Oh, Breeny. Yeah, and Bart Grimmick was in goal. My memory's terrible, see. <laughs> <laughs> how, how long did it How long did it take you to settle in? Because I think initially it was quite tough for you, wasn't it? After that first season, after that those first seven eight games. Yeah, well, I, oh, I said loads of times. I remember playing. I think we played. I had a, a, a bout of. I think I gave a penalty away, scored none goal. I got sent off all in the space of three games. I remember getting up. At Swindon, I was on the bench and uh, warming up, and a, a blue supporter said, "Not Martin Granger, sit <laughs> down." From <laughs> <laughs> that, that day, <laughs> I thought, "You, I'll show you lot." You know? <laughs> that sort of gave me a kick up the arse. I, I think sometimes you take for granted what's in front of you and think, "Yeah, I'm just going to fit in," but you had to come around and play the way that people want you to play. Well, mm-hmm. only anyway, qualified, but um, yeah, so it was, it was tough to start with, but I like to prove people wrong. So I know, um, it was it Alzi and Ed Steen, they was telling uh, Baz not to buy me, apparently, which I heard. <laughs> Tats, did you feel at the time that that was the pieces were being put in place to really be a force in that sort of first division amount of realistic challenge in the years to come? It was an interesting one, Dale, because Barry came in, David Sullivan got him in almost deliberately to try and lift the profile of the club at that time, make the club a bit relevant. And then they moved Baz on at the end of that season, just after Granger come in, brought Trevor Francis in, tried to, for want of a better phrase, uh, up the professionalism, get a, get a bigger name and get bigger names coming in as well, which he did that summer. And so Granger came into it, 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 it bit of a flux really it was a strange time the, the, the team was they were investing they were trying to you know to, to really make themselves uh, a very strong force in that division which of course they managed to do over a, a period of seasons after Trevor Francis came in yeah you look at that time and the TF and everyone will remember him for the near misses and the, the heartbreak of not just the, the playoffs but also the Worthington Cup as well but did you feel Grange that as the years went on you mean you joined in 96 when you look to 97, 98 and towards the end of the millennium, that you had to make it that core group in the dressing room that could go and do something? Yeah, well, we, what you said there, we had a, a really, really good dressing room. All, all the players that were brought in, even players that come like Paul Furlong with higher profiles, they all fitted in. There was a all good bunch of lads. But um, that was another thing. Trevor, I had to, he didn't stop signing left-backs, yeah. <laughs> did he? I had to win him yeah. over as well. Well, if you remember, Gary Ablett started off playing at left-back, yeah. so you couldn't get in the team after yeah. Trevor first came. Yeah, so, I mean, Trevor, I mean, I remember Trevor 
someone said to me, I've, I've done something on the pitch, and he was calling me a pub player. That's <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I left back the pub player. <laughs> so I had to try with him. But I mean, Trevor was used to dealing with him at the top, and you know what I mean? He's, he brought Brucey in, Ablett come in, you know, Gary Rowett, Premiership players. But we did have a, a really, really good squad. All, more or less all the time I was there, really. We sort of we sort of tinkered, but didn't quite get there. And then eventually it did happen. It was going to happen at some point. What was that first, sorry, Dale, what was that first playoff uh, semi-final like against Watford? I mean, the atmosphere that night was something pretty special, wasn't it? Yeah, it's just... Uh, them ones I, I try to forget, you know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the, I mean, the atmosphere in the big games there were always good. And then when we when we got Watford, I fancied us to beat them. To be honest, convincingly, even as well when we got Barnsley, mm. I thought turn them over and we got tumped four one at home. You know, and um, they're they're the sort of games you think, yeah, we've got this. Not not to take it for granted, but we I thought us at home as well, we'd have we'd have nailed both of them teams, but it just didn't happen. Three three years in a row under Trevor, wasn't it, in the playoff semi-finals? Yeah, yeah. Quite remarkable. But then Bruce, he was lucky, really, because he was a similar squad to what Trevor had, and we actually went up. So Trevor was really unlucky in that in that aspect of it. Do you start to think it wasn't going to happen, Grange? When you do three years and you get so close. Yeah, well, I've done it at Brentford as well. Then I've lost in the semi-final to Huddersfield at home on penalties. Um under Neil Warnock, that he was he was the manager then, and then that was my fourth time, so the fifth time lucky for me. Then, as a player, you think, is it ever going to happen for me? And then it did, and then it all fell apart. <laughs> <laughs> when you say, was it ever going to happen for you? What about that game at the Millennium Stadium, the little slip? Uh, do, do you know what? He, uh, <laughs> the, the ball actually went under my foot as well. <laughs> yeah. Like, then he's crossed it for you and Roberts. Yeah. I, I was looking where I was going to run down the line with it, and it went under my foot. Then I slipped. Then he crossed it, and I scored. Yeah. Then you think, oh, Jonah's here. <laughs> <laughs> but to come back from that and then to, to win it on penalties after all the penalty heartache, I mean, the emotions were just incredible, weren't they? Oh, it was ridiculous. It was. It, it's, it's probably the defining moment of my career. You know, and for someone like Carts to step up at such a young age and just Slot it in as if you've been playing for 20 years. Take your hat off to him. Tip your hat yeah. off. So how come you didn't take one then? You took one against Watford. I was actually struggling with um, swollen ankle. So I yeah. thought if I plant and I miss, uh, obviously I missed one against Liverpool. But um, I just didn't want to put... I, I, I wanted to take one. But then the, the slight swelling in the ankle, I just thought, no, I'll just let someone who's obviously more able-bodied. If I had to take one in the sudden death, I would have took one. Yeah. I didn't shy away from it because I'd missed one previously in a big game or nothing like that. It's just that I was carrying a bit of an injury. I actually, actually, if you watch it back, it would have been retaken because Vesterveld was about three yards off his line. Because I, I always, when I took penalties, I knew where I was going. I didn't look at the keeper, and I'd always run up and strike it. And he was like, he's, he'd obviously done his, done it. He uh, figured me out, come out three yards, and went to his left. Yeah, I kicked it better afterwards. I volleyed it up in the. Man. 
<laughs> that, did, that still, did that one sting, Grange? Not because of the miss, but because of what happened in, in a certain refereeing decision that never was. I mean, we always talk about that game and oh, the penalty. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's the old uh, Premiership referee mentality, though, isn't it, I think? But, uh, yeah, that that still sore today because you, you you think you let everyone down, like your family's up in the stand, your young... My eldest boy then, Charlie, was probably, I reckon, 2001, wasn't it? Yeah. So, what's he, 23? Yeah, so he was about six or seven. So, you just just feel gutted for people like that. You know, not so much myself, because as footballers, you have another game, you get over it, don't you? But you just feel like you let other people down. Yeah, still don't like talking about it. Get off the subject. In terms of your relationship with the fans, obviously you're now, I mean, you come to the gala over 250 appearances for the club. But I know you were saying it was a steady start and you get some grief early doors. But was it because of your style of play, do you think that just suited Birmingham as a football club? To be honest, I improved as a player as well. Because when um, Trevor and Brucey come in, they, they played a bit more football. I mean, I was used to, when I first started at Colchester, you had to, I had to kick people, get in the team as a youngster. You got an extra fifty pound bonus, so I used to try and injure people in training. <laughs> and, uh, and then we used to just get off the keeper and smash it as far as you could. And when I first went to Brentford, I played in the practice game and I got it off the keeper and I launched it. They was going, "What are you doing?" I said, "What?" I what I've been told as a kid. But um, yeah, but and obviously, Blues fans like people have a tackle, don't they? And I, I used to love mixing it up a little bit. Thing was though, you also played a lot in midfield, didn't you? Even wide right on occasions. I played right wing for seven weeks. Yeah. So that year, that was the year I won Claudia. So yeah. a little bit. I played. I think I played in every position that year, apart from in goal. That's <laughs> point in the game. I think the Wolves away went up front. Uh, last five minutes, played left wing, right wing, centre mid, centre half, right back, played more. The only place I were playing was my position. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm quite right winger though, because you can just cut in on the on your left and swaz it. <laughs> Practice your free kicks and panos, great, because you obviously became known as a bit of a free kick specialist, and this whole montage is out there of you whipping them in top corners. So how much practice went into it? But on a Friday, I'll probably stay out another 20 minutes with a bag of balls, and um, I used to practice with the mannequins. I used to try and get up to about six yards away so you could really get the ball up and down. Um, and then I used to get moaned out for being out too long. But, yeah, I used to take a few corners, free kicks. That's one of my pet hates. You watch the telly and people hitting the first man drives me insane. Yeah. It infuriates me. People, special people, just can't get it over the first person. That's child stuff. Yeah. So I used to practice to make sure that I didn't do that. Yeah. Like, I hope you don't see footage of me doing that. <laughs> I mean, you talk about um, what infuriates you and how you know players are hitting the first man and stuff. And you, you mentioned how you used to probably kick people up in the air. A lot of those challenges would probably have been yellows slash reds these days. Do you think that's sort of something that's going out of the game? Because it used to lift the crowd. I mean, Tats, we talk at times at how it can take a player to lift the game going absolutely nowhere. And Grange, you were probably one of that, that sort of players who could just lift and change the whole dynamics of a match. Yeah, well... <laughs> It's, they're trying to make a game too perfect. Games, game, the game's never going to be perfect. And if you if you had people like Stuart Pearce, people like that, I know Vinnie Jones was a pain in the ass, but he used to he used to ruffle feathers. 
you know, and I, I, I remember, I mean, there's so many cameras at games now. I remember, I think it was uh, Ian Dowie, QPR at home. And we sort of like had a scuffle at the back post. I rolled over the top of him and punched me in the mouth. And as I, he rolled over, I punched him back. We both got up and laughed and ran off. If you'd done that now, you'd get sent off, wouldn't you? It's, they're taking all aspects of contact out of it. And it's, uh, to be honest, I don't watch a lot of football anymore. It, it's becoming boring. It's becoming a striker's game. Defending is an art. Whether you kick someone over in the stand or you're, you're, someone's taking you on and, you, um, and you're, you're dealing with him that way. But you can't, I mean, having a little bit of contact in the box is part of the game. It's taking it all out and it's just, for me, it's not my sort of football I want to watch. You know, you know, you talked about ruffling feathers there. Yes. Can I ask you about um, uh, Kevin Muscat? Now, apparently, Stan Lazarides always said he's a really nice guy. He used to room with him in Australia. On the field, you had a few problems with him, didn't you? I think it went back to Molyneux when uh, I think Wolves won. And didn't you uh, didn't you sort of go after him down the tunnel? Yeah, well, he, I just didn't like the way... He, I mean, he's tackling people. Don't get me wrong. If I'm going to tackle you, I'm going to take all of you. And I'm going to tackle the ball, though. I'm not going to go over the top and try and break your leg. He's a leg breaker. <laughs> but he, he's, a, he's a coward that's what he, he'll tackle someone 70-30 in his favour and do you and um, funny enough he introduced me I went to Stan's christening for his daughter I think Dior I think and um, the hotel somewhere in Birmingham he went come on introduce you I said I don't want to talk to him he said I don't so he took me over with all my wives and girlfriends and children and I had to be nice <laughs> you know he just wanted to give him a right hander <laughs> Did you so chase he, him into the dressing room at Molyneux, didn't you? Yeah. So he, 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 uh, yeah, he, he sort of sport my game when I used to play them, so I just forgot about the game and just wanted to get him. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Martin O'Connor chinned him twice, didn't he? Yeah, I think that was the return game, wasn't it? St Andrews. Yeah. Got set he off. But he probably was good at what he's doing because he's winding people up. Yeah. Do you remember the interview you gave to me in the car park afterwards? No. <laughs> You described him as probably the most hated man in football. Yes, I and do, yeah. Do you remember that created such a, a stir? Yeah, well, he probably is. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the Norwich geezer, he broke his leg. That's disgusting, you know? You've seen on the, on the Warnock documentary where he talks about Muscat, don't he, where he's coming off. Better at Millwall, and he just... Yeah. And he highlights the, the trouble that Muscat was was causing. Did players ever target you, Grains, and try and roll you up? Because they knew you had a yellow card in you. Did you ever target? Um, nah, not not really. I mean, I just if any opportunity, if someone rolled me up and I can get into you, I'm gonna fly into you. Because my 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 main aim is to the danger I'm playing against to make his life as difficult as possible. And if that means putting a hard challenge on him and he don't come near me for another 20 minutes, then so be it. But when you... I said this the other day, someone asked me, and I said, I said, when you play against people like John McCarthy, Paul Devlin, Gareth Hainsworth, and Jamie Lawrence, you give them a whack, you know, two minutes later, you're looking at Sky, because they're whacking back. And that's when you know you've got a difficult afternoon. Who <laughs> <laughs> was, was the toughest Grange when you think of all the years that you've been playing and stuff? Often... Players are asked, do they? Who gave them the run around as a fullback? Who couldn't you get near? When I come there um, with Brentford and Dominguez, <laughs> he, 
he could turn a few people inside out with the shapes he'd done. But uh, the runner, I didn't really, I didn't really mind tricky players. It was people like I say, Devlin, McCarthy, Ainsworth, because they would, they weren't blessed with skill. They were direct, quick, and aggressive. And as a, as a fullback, you normally come up normally against a tricky, quick winger, and you know if you, you can get right into them in the first five minutes, they ain't coming back. But them, them four especially, they made your afternoon very difficult. I mean, I had a few run-ins with Dez. Like, I remember him two-footing me on you know, in the yard box at Sheffield United away. And they were to go at me. He said, that's the one earlier. <laughs> but, like, you laugh about it now. But he's passionate. You just want to win. I just wanted to win. If the ball was there, whether there was three people in the way, I'm going for all three of them to get it, to give it to my team. But people, so a lot of people didn't like me, but hey The thing is, Grace, you're not, not just buttering you up because we, we're talking now, but... You could obviously play as well. I mean, you got in the PFA Team of the Year, didn't you, that um, that season? And there's people like David Dunn, Lee Clark in it. Yeah, but people just see the side of it where I was aggressive. Sometimes I would overstep the, the barriers. But like I say, it was just to win. And yeah, I could play. That's, I probably didn't give myself enough credit. If, no, I don't think you did. Don't think but you did. I, I probably think people... I lacked a bit of pace, to be honest. So I made up with that, with getting tight and getting aggressive to people. If I can slow them down, you make my game, make my day a lot easier. I think there's there's one there was one um, one summer as well when Blackburn Rovers, Graham Soonis were after you, and you could you could easily have gone there, couldn't you? You might not have become the sort of legend that you have become at, at Blues. Yeah, the deal the deal was done. Um, part, like personal side. Um, they agreed figures with an agent who was dealing with it who said he'll take it on if I go and all that so they were talking but I don't know who it was but Trevor reckoned Karen wanted too much money and then Karen said Trevor's asking for too much money so it didn't materialise but the the salary was unbelievable life changing you know yeah. but when I come back obviously it didn't happen so I said okay we'll just because people get like, a lot of the players were saying me stick a transfer request in and all that, but I didn't want to. I just wanted to play football. Um, and if it happened, it happened. If it didn't, it didn't. But I just wanted to play. People were going to me, "You're mad. You should do this. You should do that." But it didn't happen. But do you, do you ever think what might have been had you gone up there and your career might have taken a different path? Yeah, probably wouldn't be a train driver. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that year they got into Europe, didn't they? They won the League Cup. Um, so potentially you might have played in, might have played in Europe, and you never know where it had gone. But I have no regrets of not going. You know, it was at a time maybe I would have found out whether I was. I don't actually know whether I could, if I was good enough to stay playing in the Premier League because I got injured. Mm. Um, I would have had a season in the Premier League, and then you really know if you was good enough or not. That's something I'll never know. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because. I think you played seven or eight games, then you got an injury, didn't you? So you, we didn't really see you a lot in the Premier League. Then obviously other players came in. Yeah, well, the, um, the first game we played Arsenal away, and Bruce and I, I was, I was one of the fittest at the club. I wasn't quick, but I could run. And um, after the game, we lost two 0 I mean, Darren Purse saved about ten off the line that day, if I remember. And uh, Bruce, he went, "How do you like that?" And I went, "I hated it every minute of it." I thought you got time and all that. You see on the telly, I got loads of time. 
well, the good teams closed you down. I hated every. I wouldn't go back to championship right then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's just disappointing. The sixth game, that is when I, my contract was going to get renewed as well. Like, give me a premiership contract, and then the rest is history. Yeah, Middlesbrough away was the last game I think it was. Mm. Mendieta was it cheating, just sitting in that pocket. I didn't know whether to go tight, go back, go tight, go back. Yeah, I was going to say you, those changes though. The different type of player came in, the Dugarries and, and what have you, the Emil, Emils. It, it was changing a little bit, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I, I used to just come in because I'd, I'd moved back home uh, after the I think the third operation. Um, and Keith Porter told me surgeon that he had advised me to stop playing um i did in fact ask to go and see because craig bellamy had my injury and uh he went to see mr steadman in america and i asked karen if i could go see mr steadman in america and she said pay for it yourself and i think it was ridiculous money and i i weren't on that sort of money to go and pay for that myself so i had to take the decision right i'm going to drag this out as long as possible because she wasn't paying my contract up and in the end i, I had to take 10 months' money and leave. But I was just turning up, parking up, going in the physio room, running and going in the dressing room with all the new lads, and then going back home, driving back to London. And uh, that was when Mary and Milky and all that came in, wasn't it? Let's, let's talk about your last your last act in the blue shirt first. Well, that I come on a sub, didn't I? And um, yeah. the first Manchester one, United at home, wasn't it? Yeah, the first free kick I took that hit the shin pads of the wall, that's where my knee popped. And um, I, that, and I was limping around for the next I think, 15, 20 minutes, and I was just thinking, I can't go off again. I didn't know, obviously, no, I had a hole in my tendon, I didn't know. So I thought, no, I ain't going off. And then he said, take, Bruce, he was screaming at me, take that free kick. And I was like, I can't really put my foot down. <laughs> if I put my foot down, I'm going to collapse. So, I, um, well, obviously, I took it. To be fair, the keeper should have saved it. Yeah. Because I knew the sports scientist there, the sports nutritionist, Tony Strudwick. He's now with Wales. He said in the dressing room, he was looking where he was going to throw it before he, like, as of it was coming in. And, um, yeah, that was the last, last, I got to half time and just said, look, I'm done. Sort of ripped a few doors off the physio room, dressing room, broke down in tears. I knew that was it, basically. And, um, and that was another, I think, Another year out. Because in yeah. the end, you think you, you you had to retire in the end at 30, 32, was it? Nah, just turned 30. Just over 30. Yeah, okay. so, I mean, what was it, 2000? Well, yeah, it, it dragged on to that maybe 31, 32, because I was driving up and down just picking money up, basically. Neil was saying to me sometimes, physio, I'll see you Wednesday. Then he said, I'll see you next Monday. You know, so he knew the score. That was it. I never ever went to watch another game after that while I was still going in that. Which is quite a sad way when you look back at how it finished and stuff, Grange, given the relationship you had with everyone when you were there, the groups that you were part of, the success that you had. I suppose is it not a regret on your part, but is you'd have to look back at it and wish you had a better relationship right at the end. Yeah, it's, don't get me wrong. I don't want to eat. A lot of people retire and they have to finish early. I don't know red carpet rolled out, but just a bit of respect to me and a bit of like a thank you not do anything wrong to that football club apart from give everything which ultimately i still have problems with now 20 years on that's, that's the thing some of the some of the things i put myself on the line and had injections in places where i shouldn't have done just to play for that football club and she treats you like that 
you know it's not it's not about oh i want to be known as this person who's done this that and the other just respect what i've done for your football club trying to get you into the premiership which we've done putting my career on the line every single week i think i've I had injections in knees before games, in joints and all that. That's, that's a no-no. And that wasn't even big games. That was just a play. You know? that, that, that sort of thing. Like I said to my boy, I said, don't ever have injections in anything for anyone. I said, because if you're good enough, you'll get back in. And if I had my time again, that's what I would do. I'd, I'd, just, I'd just sit out. And with the experience I had with that and how owners treat you when things are finishing, I would never do it again. Well, I'm not going to be able to do it again, so I'm too fat. Uh, what, was your, what was your favourite football memory from your time at Blues? Ipswich semi-final. Mm. Best ever. That was even noisy in the millennium, both millenniums. Frightening atmosphere. Still gives me, puts the ears on my back and my neck up now. Brilliant. And I scored from an inch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was it, was it a header, was it? Yeah, I, I, see, that's how quick, that's how slow Jeff also was. I outpaced Jeff to it. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. A lot of, a lot of supporters sat on every whenever we spoke to former players. A lot of them involved in that era will say that Ipswich Town night. You know, the pitch, everything that played into that evening was just phenomenal. Absolutely ridiculous. I've not heard. No, if you put two radios on, you get that wireless sound in your ears. That was ringing in your ears like that. It was absolutely fantastic, brilliant. Yeah, great memory that. Yeah. Tats, how do you think a lot of supporters, I mean, you've been covering a club for years, when they think back to Grange's time, what's their overriding memory of Martin Grange in a blue shirt? Again, like, like Grange says, I think, put himself on the line every time he played. Um, was very competitive, uh, got a good rapport with the crowd, but you could also play. People forget that, the left foot, uh, you could see a pass. Yeah, you might not have been the quickest, you're not an Ashley Cole, but you're a Stuart Pearce type. You know, and I think a lot of people, you know, I don't think we'll see many players of, of your ilk again, to be honest, especially spending that length of time at one club. Yeah, we, you, the thing is, though, you're going to get you get wingers now playing left back, didn't you? The game's changed, yeah. isn't it? It's all, it's all about pace. Um, but do I like that? As a, it's all right for, an, a, for the attacking side, but I love the defending side of it, and that's, and that's gone, unfortunately. It's like now you see your two fullbacks over the halfway line, your centre halves, halfway up, halfway up their half, receiving the ball, and the midfielders coming in the middle of the back four. I mean, there's only a certain few teams that can do it, but mm. not for me. I'm, I'm a bit old, a bit old school. Get rid of all these cameras, VAR, and all that. Who <laughs> <laughs> were the best that you played with, Granger Blues? Not just in terms of the camaraderie. I just mean the talent, what you saw on the training pitch, match days. The best, train, the best person in training all the time is Brian Hughes. He's, he, his ability was ridiculous. Um, Percy, in their own right, Jono, Gary Warwick, it was an all-round athlete, brilliant. And Christoph Dugary was frightening, absolutely frightening. And, and he was a real gentleman as well, real, really, really nice guy. Um, who else was there? I mean, to be fair, we had, with the attackers we had, Perlong, Addy Bowler, Unlove, Birchie, good finisher. We had, some, we had some brilliant footballers at that football club in my time. What about TF joining, Trev joining in training? Oh, yeah, it's ridiculous. He, uh, he used to nutmeg you and laugh. And that, <laughs> I remember, um, I think Dev's done him twice. 
he'd done, he'd give him four stitches in his shin and then done him in his eyeball. And <laughs> but it was a, it was, we were training one day and he was running around. And he went, stop. The grass was a little bit long, so I think they was letting it grow. Stop, stop, stop. We all had to stop, like 25 players. My watches come off. Well, that's what thinking. All right, your watches come off. He went, no, no, we've got to find it. He said, he said, it's, uh, he said, good job it's not my cart, yeah. This one's only 10 grand. You <laughs> <laughs> like, stopped a football match. You're wearing a 10 grand watch to fucking play football. So we, we found it in the end. He said, good job it weren't my cart, yeah. I was like, oh, I'm from Enfield. I've got a swatch on. <laughs> you could yeah, still see yeah. him training, couldn't you? Despite his age, that how good uh, a player he was in his pomp. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. He, uh, even... You, you do crossing and shooting, it weren't going too well. We'd go out there and straight away, first one, visiting. His passing, his movement, finishing. You could see what a player he was. Yeah. Yeah, I think DeGarry was like that, wasn't he? Because I remember watching a few training sessions and he was just on a different level. Great form, mate. That's what you've got to say about him. So just, just, certain people like him and Mikel Purcell, mm. like, the, the, the body movement can just throw you. I mean, I remember... Mikel was injured and um, he was just coming back and he was doing a bit of footwork. And I said, like, because I was coming back, I wanted to do a bit of defending. Can you just run at me and shift the ball? I only let him do two. I walked in. <laughs> I said, mate, you're going to give me another injury. <laughs> yeah, Mikel, really, really good player. But yeah, uh, Christoph Dugger, he was, he was fantastic and a nice bloke as well. And passionate because him and Percy went at it half time once. Yeah. And he didn't down either. So. Yeah. I, th- I think he really enjo- enjoyed it. Didn't he? he really enjoyed because he probably wasn't that popular back in his homeland or where else he'd been, but he was just embraced. And I think he, he really responded to that, didn't he? Well, I, I think he was. I mean, we were all going, World Cup winners coming to play for us. You know what I mean? And he was, he was king of the castle, wasn't he? Mm. But he didn't. He didn't let that go to his head. He was just so humble, such a nice fella, and ridiculously good footballer. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Grange, we have to get you back down to the football club, given yeah. all, even all of this. I know you enjoyed the gala evening. I think it was last season or two years ago now when you came down. Yes, uh, yes. But we have to get you down and do a little bit in our TV studio because obviously you got some great stories and still really, I mean, from a supporter's point of view, remembered in the highest regard as, as those players who put a, a blue shirt on. And it just resonated with the fan base. I think not many players from outside the club who aren't part of what it means to be Birmingham City come into the club and have such a good rapport as you did. So it'd be great to get you back down. Yeah, definitely will do. Obviously, like I say, I've said before, I've got to juggle it round watching my Charlie. Um, and if I can get down, I'll get down. And obviously we work because we work on a shift rotor basis. Um, but then I'll just I'll just take a day's annual leave or something. Uh, that'll be, be good. Everyone. Yeah, it'll be good. If I keep growing this air when this is all over, I'll have a massive afro. <laughs> <laughs>